Welcome to Full Scope, a podcast with two guys in their 20s, giving their perspective on the games that we love, headlines of pop culture, and the meaning behind it all. I'm Coach Winter Burns, and I am along with my counterpart, Savon Morris, <laughs> back in the building. How's it going? <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> it's going pretty good, man. I feel like I've been away for a while, man. <laughs> no, man, you're, it's, it's good to have you back in. We have a lot of topics to get into for this episode. We're going to get into some thoughts on the, the summer league developments, also some um, NBA possible trades, um, some album reviews in the second half. We're going to do a review of uh, Stranger Things Season 4, Volume 2. Mm-hmm. Um, to start off with just, you know, thoughts on who's been the most impressive player at Summer League so far. Um, a player that's really stood out to me has been Keegan Murray because, mm-hmm. you know, he totaled 40 points in his first two games in Vegas and um, drained four threes in each game and played just active, smart basketball throughout. And, you know, his ability to cut, relocate, uh, rebound, and just play with a lot of energy and, you know, also generate offense without being, you know, force-fed touches has been really impressive. But to you, like looking at the summer league so far, what have been your thoughts on on who kind of has been some of the most impressive players? Uh, I have to go with Cam Thompson, man, from the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's, a, it's an easier league, so you can shine a little bit and see what you've been working on through, you know, through the fall, through the spring, and you get into summer league, you start doing what yeah. you need. He's averaging 28, 28 points in summer league. He's 15% from a three-point line, which is getting better. He's normally a little lower than that, but I think he's stood out. He's he's finishing at the rim. He's being a, a good facilitator as well, but I just like the way he's playing this summer league basketball. He's putting on display that he can be a guy that could be in the rotation uh, coming up from this upcoming season, and they're going to need it because their guys are trying to leave, so they need guys to fill in those gaps, yeah. so I think... I think Cam Thompson is one of those guys who's going to be up on the rise this year. Definitely. And, and I mean, when you look at, at the top two picks in Paolo Banchero and also uh, Chet Holgram, like in, in terms of like, cause there've been the, 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 uh, just the analysis of Chet Holgram, like, you know, being a, a versatile, um, a, a versatile, like, like wing player, but also mm-hmm. his size has been something like that's been noted that, that needs to like, like, uh, to, to, to like get bigger and, and, and kind of like, be more physical in the NBA. Like, what have been your thoughts on the, on the top two picks and just how they've and how they've looked so far? They've looked good, especially Chet. Um, I think he's he's shown the versatility, the being in the right place at the right time. Um, I saw a lot of uh, you know, top top uh, top of the arc threes. He's he's getting in the mix. He's he's moving around, but I think his weight will have to. He'll have to bulk up a little bit, and I think a Giannis. What how Giannis was when he first yeah, got into the, the Giannis league. transformation. Yeah, and the only guy that did, really didn't need to bulk up was Kevin Durant, but he's he found ways to get you know get to his points and be aggressive. Kevin Durant's an aggressive guy, but when he first came in, he was he was a stick. He was a six foot eleven stick, <laughs> just like Chet Holmgren. But I yeah. if 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 either or direction you want to go into, I mean, being a Kevin Durant, being a Giannis is not a <laughs> it's not a bad direction. But I think he's going to either bulk up like Giannis did, or he's going to stay like Kevin Durant and find ways to be aggressive without having the body the body uh, uh the weight with him. So I think he's smart enough to maneuver and find ways to get to the ball. I mean, get to the ball and make and make points. But um, I was I'm impressed with Benchero. Um, I think he's still. Obviously, he has some development to go on, but I like the way I've seen he's average more 20 like points. Player. Yeah, he's more the yeah, he's, he's more the ready. More he's more ready, yeah. but I think in certain games, him being a true facilitator and being able to get it, make his team better is the things I want him to progress on. He's a rookie, so he has the 
the open space to do so, but averaging 20 points, six rebounds a game, and he's close to four or five assists a game as well. But I want to see how that translates into playing these veterans, these other guys who's been in the league for a while, for two, three years. So I like what I've seen so far. The, The NBA future is bright. You know, the light is shining a little bit. But I think uh, if I'm impressed with anybody, I think I'm going to be impressed with Chet Holmgreen because I don't know yeah. the seven foot frame who can who's versatile who can do it all. And if his weight, you can't find that everywhere. You can't he, like, like that. That is something like, like it's 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 very rare to find. And when a player has that, like it, they're going to be at, at a top value. Yeah, we've seen it before, but it's it's always like you said, it's always rare. We've I've seen plenty of Bencheros <laughs> come into the league oh, yeah. and be yeah. aggressive and you know all this stuff. But a Chet Holmgren, seven foot, who can put the ball on the floor, create his own shot, be a facilitator, mm-hmm. good, be a good defender. That I mean, that's hard to find. It's rare, but it's you know it's hard to find. So, but they yeah, have been absolutely. impressive. Definitely. And, and now getting into uh, thoughts on just, you know, if Damian Lillard or Bradley Bill re-signing was, was more surprising. Uh, recently, Dame signed a two-year $122 million extension with Portland that will, you know, tie into the franchise through the 2026 through 2027 season. Mm-hmm. And Bradley Bill signed a five-year $251 million extension to stay in Washington. And, you know, this is the second largest extension in league history behind Jokic's um, $264 million extension. But to you, like, what are your thoughts on both these extensions and, you know, was and which one was, like, the most surprising or, or did you kind of, like, expect both these players to say? Because these are both very loyal players and, mm. you know, they definitely could have went to different des- destinations, but they really wanted to, to plant their flags in their respective cities. You know, n- I don't think either of these came as a surprise. We, we know Damian Lillard has been, you know, <laughs> a staple for the tra- trailblazers since, you know, you know, Brandon Roy. So it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's seamless for him to be like, okay, I'm going to stay, but we're need to figure out what we're doing as an organization. And I think those, you have to reassure and, and have that confidence, get to have confidence in your player and as an organization and give him that confidence that you're going to find players to fit because you got rid of CJ McCollum. You didn't really get anything in return. So it's like, we okay, we paid Dame. But what what's next? And I and I've I've seen yeah. this a couple times. A lot of people saying that Dame never took a pay cut to get players around him. And I think that's a good point. At what point? At, at what stands are you chasing the money or are you chasing a championship? Because if you're chasing a championship, you've made plenty of money in your <laughs> your Dame dollar. You made plenty of money yeah. in the league. So. At what point you say, okay, okay, it's not about the money, it's about winning a championship. I think that's where he's at. And I think that's what people need to, to think about. But for Bradley Bill, I already knew he's gonna take that. Like I think oh, he yeah, had yeah. 35 mil to leave, and then they came with that. I mean, at 35, I mean, at this point, Bradley Bill, like, man, I probably won't get a championship. I'm just chasing the money. Whatever. It's not bad. It's not a bad thing, but both teams gotta realize. We we made a big financial move. How can we how can we bring players in to be a contender, or are they even trying to be a contender? Right, uh, and, and, and that and that really is the question because like there there are bit, we we've seen players in the past who've like stayed in the same who stayed with the same franchise and haven't been able to to win a championship. Mm-hmm. But when you look back at, at their careers, like they there was a, a sense of loyalty that they that they really like didn't want to leave and kind of and kind of stay right there cuz like if you look at 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 Washington and Portland like Portland they do have young talent coming up 
But at, at the end of the day, it's still one of those things about which one is is more important to the player. Because some players they want a ring chase, mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that. But these two guys, you can just see like 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 there's a difference. Like, do you feel as though with with players, it's just a different objective? Like either that ring is so important to you, or it's one of those things. Or, or on the flip side, it's more so like, hey, I'll, I'll stay here, get paid really well, and and you know, kind of like support the the the, the next generations of my family and everybody will be set. I, I think it's whatever level you are in as in reference to your legacy of in playing basketball. And uh, the perfect example is Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony chased the check. He could have went to a contender team, but he chased, he, he chased the check in New York. And he got a big one. He got a huge one. And then after that, he realized, okay, this is not working out. We don't have, like, I'm, I want a ring now. And then that's where you go and try to find a ring. It's like whatever level you are in your legacy and how long your longevity is, how long you're going to be in the league. So if you're chasing a check for the first, let's say, first seven years, and then you're still healthy enough to say, okay, I got the money now, so I need to go somewhere else to get. So it just it just depends on what stage you're in. Because a lot of guys, there's nothing wrong with either or if you want to chase a check or if you're in the, the, the opportunity to be able to win championships, yeah. And make money. That's awesome. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, oh, yeah. Draymond Green. Or if you're you're <laughs> you're just out flying by and you just want to play basketball like Kevin Durant and, and Kyrie Irving, who didn't play all full season. So it's just it just depends on what stage of of, of your 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 legacy you're in in basketball. And I think both of these guys are still young enough to be like, okay, I still got four or five years on my prom to go and get crazy and try to get a championship. Right now, I'm chasing money. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and now getting into to Kyrie and Katie's, you know, current possible trades, and you know if this will happen for this season. Uh, this has been kind of like the most focused on, you know, and analyzed potential, potential trade this offseason as the Nets are, you know, asking for a lot in return for Katie and yeah. Kyrie. Who, yes, you know, hasn't hasn't had a, a, as much trade value as Durant, but you know, the main team that has interest in, in him has been the Lakers. But yeah. um, there's even been the report from Brian Windhorst that you know there's the possibility of a of a KD Warriors reuniting that they both sides have interest, but you know, obviously it's one of those things where the Nets are going to, you know, see what they can actually get in return. But yeah. to you, like, what are your thoughts on the KD trade request, not having a lot of traction so far and just also um, Kyrie and the Lakers being a possible um, destination. It's similar to when AD was trying to get out of the Pelicans and the Pelicans was acting yeah. this outrageous <laughs> stuff. <laughs> like, like I've seen, like, it's all, you know, I don't know if it's true or not. And a lot of people, a lot of not uncredible and some credible sources have been talking about the exchange of what Brooklyn said they wanted and Lakers will come back and say, okay, you can have this and this, but we want this and that. Like at one point they said the Lakers wanted Seth Curry. I think that would have been a great opportunity to bring Seth Curry over to the Lakers and he would be that supporting cast and three-point guy. But I just say, I just feel like the Brooklyn Nets are trying to drain Everything they said, oh, if you're gonna get our top player, one of our top players, we're gonna drain you. And I think that's what it's gonna take. It's gonna it's gonna take them getting the right piece, but there's no right piece in their head. It's just like they're just throwing all their bait out there and just hoping for the best. Like yeah. it's no structure, it seems like because Kevin Durant is still at a high high point of his career, but he's not worth five first round draft picks. LeBron James and I forgot what other guy they said they wanted. That's uh, that's crazy. LeBron James <laughs> and Kevin Durant is an even trade, even swap. If you want to be real, but I think the Brooklyn Nets are trying to figure out who's really real about getting Kevin Durant, and so they're just 
doing anything and everything because they have the power. They have the power, obviously. And then, I mean, but Kevin Durant has the power too. So it's, it's interesting. I I, see, I want him to go to, I think he'll be good with the Trailblazers with Dame, but you just paid Dame. So it's just, it's going to be kind of interesting where he goes. Can he go to the Warriors? I think so. They find ways yeah, to make the shadow sure. crap. Yeah, but but do you want to go back Jordan to that? Poole. They give up Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, Wiseman. Like, they could give up a lot. But do you want to go in, back to that, life. though, as a player? that That's what I don't think. So. Yeah. Because he left, he left that team for a reason. He didn't want to be in Steph's shadow. Like, like he didn't want to be in Steph's shadow anymore. Like, I feel as though, like, him going back to that would just him be, like, admitting that, look, I can't win on my own. I have to win more rings in Golden State. And that kind of goes against what we thought he actually wanted to do in Brooklyn. Right. And, you know, he has an ego and he's sensitive. So you yeah. go back to that situation, you already know. You already lived it. Obviously, You, you already the, know what you're putting yourself yeah, into. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know you was the best player on the team, but it's going to be overshadowed because Steph Curry is, he's marketable. The guy does no wrong, really. He's the golden child. He's the, exactly. He's the golden child. He does no wrong. So it's kind of like, you know, we're getting back in the situation. But in terms of dollars, I think it makes sense for him to go back to the Warriors because they can get more. Like you said, they can get pooled. They get can get Peyton. They can get all these guys in a possible two round. And they'll be willing to do that. Because they know they have a solid squad after that, because they know how to develop yeah. players. So the Nets will, the Nets will, will, will go along with that trade. Definitely, yeah. like if other it, ones, yeah. they're going to be hesitant on. But that one, if it's if it's presented, they'll do it. Yeah, I think so. I think the Warriors have the up here because they they they're okay of getting rid of those players because they know how to player develop it. You know, Jordan Poole, Garrett Payton, who had like thirty thousand chances, and they they know how to develop players. So I think if anybody had the opportunity, it would be the Warriors. But for KD, well, KD doesn't. Well, does he have to prove? Savon is saying no to Phoenix. Savon is saying no to Phoenix. No to Phoenix. I want to see KD. No, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not, bro. He doesn't want to see a big three of, of Booker, Chris Paul, and KD. <laughs> it wouldn't work. It would not work. It wouldn't yeah, work. They, and I even mentioned that me and Tyler were talking about it a couple of weeks ago. They would lose so much defense. Yes. In terms of that trade, like the the defensive upside they have, like that would it, it wouldn't it wouldn't be. They're about to lose something. Losing something, and they gotta match it. But I don't. If KD goes over there, like the defensive aspect, not saying D, uh, KD's not a, a great defender. It's just they have a, a a wall. They have a great thing going over there. They just gotta figure it out. And KD is not the cherry on top. KD's gonna want to be the banana. <laughs> KD's gonna want to be the the something in the Sunday. He's gonna want to be more than what. I don't think KD can buy into the team aspect. Even when he's with the Warriors, he was still the guy. In my eyes, he was still the guy. Because when he... Uh, oh, th- 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 this is another possible one, New Orleans. People look, have mentioned that as a possible one. They said uh, New Orleans sent a deal and the Brooklyn Nets declined it. Mm. I don't know. I forgot what they sent over, but... They said they declined it. That's what I'm saying. The Pelicans, not the Pelicans. But at the end of the day, the Warriors, at the end of the day, the Warriors have the upper hand. <laughs> yeah. It's the Warriors, I'll say, then the Lakers, then Miami. But Phoenix, I don't think Phoenix want that headache. Not a headache, but just like the cap. Um, them have mm-hmm. to re-sign Devin, probably extend Devin Booker. Chris Paul is coming up. They have to match DeAndre Ayton. 
it's a other it's a other pieces they're trying to keep there too. So if you add Kevin Durant, you're not going to be able to keep the entire team that you built up the last three four years. Do you want to go through that? Because it took you this long to be a contender. So that's what I'm saying. It took y'all this long to do that. If you bring KD, it's going to mess up everything because you got to get rid of players, future players, cap space, all that stuff. So it's, they have to think about it. That's why I say it's not a good idea for him to go over there. Yeah, and, and I mean, it was recently reported a, a couple of days ago that, that Phoenix actually did match um, the, the offer sheet for DeAndre Ayton. Um, you know, it, it was a four-year, uh, $133 million maximum offer sheet. And, you know, he wasn't offered a max extension by the Suns prior to last season. But kind of like, what are your thoughts on this whole situation with Aiden, Phoenix, and Indiana? And just, you know, how it's played out? Because it's one of those things where that's a that's a pivotal player that you want to yeah. keep. And obviously, Indiana ha- had his eyes on him and, and you know, uh, wanted to acquire him. Smart move by uh, DeAndre. You you forced their hand. You made a main decision. You gave him an ultimatum. That's that's perfect for you. They now they know how serious you are about your worth. He's a big part of that front court and backcourt. If they would have lost him, that would have been a hole. That would have been a hole in their team because they. I I feel like they built around him, not Devin Booker when they brought him over. I don't. I'm still high on DeAndre Aiden when he came out of Arizona. I that I remember even when he got in that trouble, we was talking about it uh, for his NCAA stuff. I was like, he's going to be a star. I'm still waiting for Colin Saxon to be a star. I'm still big on him. I think he's a good point guard, but I know DeAndre Aiden is the the heart and soul. Chris Paul is the leader of, of, of obviously, but Devin Booker has to uh, he has to step up. You gotta step up. You gotta step up, bro. But no, that was a great move by DeAndre Aiden. Forced their hand and they answered the call. And now they got one of their best players. Show your show your work yes, and your value. Yes. Is going back to the players, yeah, definitely. Um, and, and now transitioning to to a you know a, a re like a a, a, a reoccurring uh, story uh, that, that 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 that's kind of been up the last few days with Donovan Mitchell. You know where he's going to possibly go next, and you know the news circulating around Mitchell is that the Knicks and Jazz are you know continuing continuing to negotiate a potential trade. And you know Brian Windhorst has reported that it appears you know inevitable that the two sides will reach an agreement, and that you know, it would cost the Knicks you know substantial draft capital, but when you look at Donovan Mitchell and you know the the, the player the young, the young star that he is, and obviously like the the issues with Utah has you know led to Rudy Gobert being traded um, to Minnesota, but just what are your thoughts on Mitchell's you know possible next destination, and also the the um, the chances of, of the Knicks getting him and how that fit would, would work with him in, in New York? Because I personally think Miami would be a better fit for him, mm-hmm. but in, in terms of you know wing you know uh, uh, defenders and wing players and shooters like that, but. This one seems to be the possible trade that that could happen. First of all, I'm just gonna say I told you, told you. Yeah, we, you we talked. You yeah, we yeah. talked about this. Yeah. They got a clean when, house when, when Marlon was on. Yeah, <laughs> they got a clean house. They got a clean house, and it's smart. You rebuild. The NBA is transitioning to allow teams to rebuild fast, and if you get the right draft picks and you get the right players, you can rebuild fast and be a contender like the Timberwolves, uh, like. Uh, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, those guys, we have young guys who are contending. So mm. I think it's a great pick for him to go to the Knicks, to be honest. I think they have a good squad and they have potential. They just signed one of the guys from Pensacola, Mitchell Robinson, I think, who has been yeah. a great defender and he's coming his own in the front court. Like, I think that one-two punch will be amazing. And I think they have the supporting cast and they're going to get more of supporting cast players to, to fit uh, with Donovan Mitchell and Mitchell Robinson, what those guys can do. 
Now, for and and and, and to I don't know Miami. I don't I don't like him in Miami. I think it's it's too hectic. Really? It's too hectic for him in Miami. You still got Jimmy. You still got a uh, Bam. You still got a uh, Hero. You still got those guys that I don't think he will have to figure out how where he he lies in that roster and organization. And like I think I've said this right now, he still needs to feel like he's the guy, even though he may not be the guy. So if he goes where Jimmy is there, Jimmy's the guy, no matter what. I don't care. Oh, yeah. I don't, if, 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 if that's the scenario where he still wants to be the guy, then Miami's not the fit. But I meant like if he's if he's no longer if he's wanting to be in a situation where it's more about winning than him just like establishing like him as the number one option. I, I that like that's kind of what I meant by Miami possibly being being that that place. But New York would be in terms of him just being the center, um, the center of what they're doing. Yeah, New York would be the better fit. Yeah, and I think he's still in a, in a part of his career where he wants to. Show that he, he doesn't can, want to take a backseat. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, I don't think he's ready for that yet. He's not in that in that <laughs> that realm of basketball just yet right. to be like, okay, all right, I want a championship, but I don't want a championship enough for me to take a lesser role. And I don't think he's there mentally. And that's why the Knicks would be perfect for him because he can still be that guy and you know feed off you know feed off the other players. I think he can have great chemistry with the Knicks, but. I think that's the best fit. And then I think, you know, Jazz will get a bunch in return, which is perfect for them. But he's not worth four first-round draft picks, let's be honest. No, no Donovan Mitchell's not worth that because I've seen some horrendous <laughs> things, too. Like, I don't know if they're true or not because, you know, it's social media, you know, and not everyone is credible. But they said they wanted, like, four, four or five draft picks for first-round draft picks for him. <laughs> I'm like, huh? Who, Donovan Mitchell? <laughs> mm. Maybe before we saw him not close in playoff series. Yeah. Maybe. Before the playoffs. Before yeah. The, yeah. Exactly. For sure. I'll give it to you. I'll give you three, and then I'll and I'll give you two supporting Cavs and give me Donovan Mitchell. Then I'll find out he's not the guy. But now we know he can't close. Now that we've seen it. Mm-mm. Nah, we don't want that. We want it, but we don't want it for that cost. But yeah. But I think the New York Knicks right. will be the best fit for him. It's basketball central. It's New York oh, yeah. City. Mecca. You was in Utah. <laughs> you wasn't <laughs> in Utah, bro. So now it may like maybe what a transition the, yeah. from Utah to New York. Maybe <laughs> to the, the scenery <laughs> will will change it and he'll just be like, you know, he's in the Mecca, especially yeah. with the Knicks, man. Definitely. Um and, and now getting into our first album review with, with Brent Fies' Wasteland. Um in his new album, Brent dives into just, you know, an insular rumination on the duality of man and him, you know, challenging, uncomplacent, dichotomous thinking through the album. And, you know, even with a longer track list, you know, this album is patient and, and the songs are, you know, given a chance to breathe and arrive at their full potential, along with uh the skits being a crucial element to the project. But what were some of your takeaways of this album and, and kind of kind of the, the direction of it? Ha, uh, Brent Fies, man, one smooth guy. He reminds me yeah. of the old R&B with his harmonization, with his chaotic backgrounds. It's so beautiful. It's, That's what I was saying. The chaotic, by, the, 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 when I, whenever it describes the album to people, it, it's, it's chaotic. Like, yes. like the background is very chaotic. It, it fills every, every whole possible crevice in the, mm-hmm. in the music, in just the spaces. Because you know, ad-libs, 
are meant for just to plug in. But he's it's so his harmonization is so beautiful and his chaotic background and the ins and outs and just the flowing from the left to right ear, man. It's and his falsetto is incredible. And how he utilizes his falsetto in the right moments. Now, it's not over falsetto. It's He uses it perfectly. And then he has that grittiness. He uses that uh, Houston sound with the chop a mm. lot. It's just like different elements. Yeah. And then the story behind all this, the ending, the phone call. I was like, what? Oh, my gosh. Oh, this just turned, oh, horror story. This just went in a completely different direction. Yes. And I'm thinking like the whole time, like I'm vibing or whatever. And then the phone call, I'm like, whoa, why did this just turn to a key and not key and peel, but a peel, Jordan Peele's movie? Like, yeah, Jordan Peele movie. <laughs> it's like a preview to a, to a new Jordan Peele yes. movie. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, what in the world, bro? But no, nah, I thought this was very, it was a solid album. Solid album, oh, yeah. and I'm glad he followed up from some of his singles and the the last project. He won. He didn't call that an album. I think he called that a a mixtape or something. But that was dope mixtape, too. Mixtape, yeah. But it was nice for sure. Um, and in terms of getting like okay, like to, to me, like Rolling Stone, uh, Price of Fame, All Mine, uh, even Loose Change, like an addictions, like like uh, were, were really good tracks to me on this album. Like, were there any like standouts that that you kind of had on this album? There's, there's always, um, there's the, the original ones I've listened to that's been out for like ages, like Gravity with Tyler Creator, um, Wasting Time was has been out. Dead Man Walking is still one of my favorites, um, but now I understand what the song meant and how it ties into the entire album, which is so dope. Because Dead Man's Walking been out for I think almost a year, and just how he tied that into his album, which is really dope. Um, Bad Luck was a good one. All my, the one with Alicia, Ghetto Gatsby, really surprised me. I didn't know I was going to like it, but I liked it. Mm. And Ali, I thought Alicia Keys was going to sing, but she was on there like rapping, talking, poetry, spilletry. And I was like, oh, that's dope. Okay. Okay, Alicia. But no. Nah. <laughs> yeah, he had a bunch of other songs. But other songs were good, but those were definitely my standouts. Yeah, Definitely. Um, now, now, and also another thing with, with a lot of male and R&B artists that, that have dropped this year, has there been like a, a, a best like R&B album that, that, that you've kind of had or favorite that you've had this year? This one right here. I didn't like Givion's, mm. um, album. You didn't like Givion's? No, nah, I didn't like it. Oh, oh Arian man. Ray dropped a nice project. Nice yes, album. The, yeah. We really, Hello Poison. That was fire. Yeah. Hello Poison was good. It wasn't as good as Wasteland. Um, I think Wasteland right now is my favorite. I'm I'm biased because I'm I really, a huge I really like Lucky Days. I really like I really like Lucky Days Candy Drip. <sighs> Lucky, I had two songs I liked a lot on uh, Lucky Days. I wasn't like a big fan of that one, but yeah, right now Brent is album. Yeah, Brent number one. Yeah, Brent number one right now. Until um, who else? Somebody else got to drop. It's not that many R&B artists that I. Yeah, some of the new artists that I listened to, their album wasn't good, so I wouldn't even mention them. So right now, yeah, Brent. Brent is the guy. Yeah, Brent. Brent is the guy. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and now getting into Westside Guns, uh, Peace Fly God uh, album, uh, mixtape. I mean, in this new mixtape, Westside raps along alongside Stove God Cooks and, and, and SC Knack. And Stove God is on four of the songs, and Knack is on three as the project, you know, also serves as more evidence of Westside, Westside Guns' great ear for beats. And, you know, there's loose, spacey production from Mad Lib, Conductor Williams, and others. But 
Um, what were some of your, your main thoughts on, on this mixtape overall and the con- conciseness of it? Hip hop. West Gun doesn't doesn't yeah pure hip hop. He doesn't shy away from the pure hip hop, and I love it. Like even like the beats, like Jesus Crack, bro. That beat is so hip hop. So hip hop. I'd expected method. If you're a hip hop purist and you just yeah. want like just like authentic, like this is this is that out. This is that mixtape for you. Yes, because I expected Wu Tang to hop on uh, Jesus Crack, like how it started and like the the uh, intro of it. Please don't harm this. And you just uh, and it, the old dirty um, bastard just come out and just flow like that's that's <laughs> our like original authentic hip hop. Yeah, this this was dope. Like. His yes. West Gun's like flow is kind of like you got to catch it, you got to catch on to it, and hold on to it because it's like I don't know, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's how his flow is different. It's it's hip hop, but it's different. It's, it's it's different, like a different cadence and how his voice and how he form his words. It's just the yes, it's different, but it's good. It's dope though because he's versatile too. A lot of people sleep on his versatility, but I think this was a solid album. Jesus Crack really sold me. That's the second song on the album, Wellison. Oh, yes. So yes. It, the whole album got sold. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. yeah when I you heard, get on the second song, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm sold. Yes, I'm sold. <laughs> Jesus Crack, bro. Oh, I'm Wellison, my bad. Chris Brown album is really fire. My bad. Sorry. That's what I was, yeah. I'm Sorry. You, Breezy was, that Yo, was a really that good album. album that was there was really no bad you. song. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you, man. Yo, it was no bad. I, I just remember, I was like, wait, Chris Brown dropped. And you've been listening so to it. Really, yeah. Mm-hmm. Really good album. My he, bad. And, and, and it's, like, to me, like, that's one of the albums, like, his obviously... He's he, he's he's had some albums in the past that haven't been as up to par, but this one he yes. like made a, a big return. Yes, like, this was a big statement album. Yes, for sure. All every song, it was no bad song, no bad song. How do you do that in like twenty four songs? Well, it's a, like I'm thinking like, oh, that was really dope. The next song is gonna be it's gonna be like, yeah, you know, eh. we were just waiting. We were waiting for a bad song. We, we, we were just waiting no. for a bad song. And then I'm telling you, what, what I think I said with the second half when it was just him and no features, like that. Like, that's in. when Chris really separates himself. Yes. That's when he separates himself. Man, yeah, that album was like, yeah, A+. Plus. No, there was no bad. But my bad, Westside Gun. We was talking <laughs> nah, about good. you, brother. Westside, you killed it. You killed it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, nah, yeah, he definitely... So this, many albums out. So many albums yeah. and mixtapes out. <laughs> this definitely was a, a, a nice mixtape. This was solid, authentically hip-hop. Yeah. Yeah, this was definitely solid. Flip versus Phil was dope, too. That's how you end a, that's how you end a mixtape. Yeah, I like his. Definitely. I like his concepts. His concepts are dope. And, and I mean, like, like that. That is like in, in, in terms of in terms of hip hop now, because some people feel as though like like it's went to, to different elements, and and some artists don't just stick to it purely. Like, like when you have artists like West Side Gun that that kind of stick it, stick to this formula. Like, do you feel as though it's one of those things where? Um, it shows you that hip hop is still kind of like mm. it, it can still be taken back to that like that vintage feel, even though in, in terms of some aspects, it, in the majority, people are kind of navigating into different sounds. Uh, yes, hip-hop. yes. When you you gotta have the 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 originality of what hip hop is and what rap was when it first came. Like this is that we have to con- like conserve it. We have to like make sure it's refined because you could always right. you could always adjust authentic hip-hop to different different beats to different cadences like it's just like different but it's all authentically hip-hop so when guys are still doing this 
and still understand the art of hip hop is you got to protect them at all costs. It's, it's only a few guys who want to be authentically hip hop. Freddie Gibbs, authentically hip hop. Even uh, Benny the Butcher, authentically hip hop. Like, you know, God, J. Cole. The machine. Yes. Authentically hip hop. Like, you know, you need somebody to carry that torch. You know, Nas did it. J. Cole did it for one part of the time. He was authentically hip hop. Now he's he's versa he's versatile to to go into the rap yeah. side, but you need guys who are just authentically hip hop to carry the torch. So people will remind what what started all of this. So right. Absolutely. Um, and now getting into Lupe Fiasco's uh, drill music and, and Zion um, in this new album, you know the prominent theme is is the grim Macquarie state of hip hop, and it you know sprinkled throughout the track list is Lupe is you know discussing moments of, of feeling exasperated and tired, experiencing lies that are you know uh, j- just heard on the daily rather than being rooted in uh, real world beef, and he also discusses his distaste for you know the industry's corporate and and inhuman uh, mechanisms. But w- what were your thoughts on this album, and just you know how his bars you know always have he tries to be very you know satisfactory and, and on point with them. You know, Lupe is still smooth, man. Lupe is still, still, still a guy. He's, he's authentically. This, this late in his career. It's late yes. in his career. <laughs> and I think it was a story out that he was helped. Uh, he's teaching a class about how to rap and how to um, do hip hop. I forgot what college. But I saw some comments like, why Lupe Fiasco is teaching people how to do He's not. What? Lupe Fiasco is so versatile. What are you talking about? His. How he can switch up the cadence, how he can find different melodies in the beat, his production, because he does production. Hey, bro, you tripping. Lupe Fiasco is an all-around great, like, hip-hop guy. Like, he checks boxes from the production side to the melody side, from the hooks, like his cake. Like, bro, dude, like um Gotti, the second song, man. Like how he was flowing mm. on that. I was like, oh, he's oh man. Like, this is this is pure, pure. Like, yeah, Lupe Fiasco, that man's still dope. Yeah, this, I was vibing with this. This is what I was in the car. Seattle, Seattle, that's my song right there. Yeah. That song is crazy, bro. I had that on repeat like three or four times. It's so crazy, bro. Oh, my goodness. I didn't even know who was, uh, it's uh, Nyeria or something like that. Yeah, Nyeria. Yeah, yeah she's she's on all, like, three tracks. I was like, who is this person on three tracks? But she, yeah, Mm -hmm. she nice. Oh yeah, maybe that's his artist, and he he's he just bring her out like, but that'd be dope. Like, he, yeah, I, that's a slow rollout. I, I kind of like that. <laughs> if that is his artist, that really dope. Like, yeah, this, yeah, he called this an album on mixtape. He, he called this one album. Yeah, I like this. Ten songs too. Concise. Yeah. Ten song, man. They're doing what we want. They're doing what we want. They've been listening. They don't want to say it, but they've been listening. <laughs> they've been so, listening. Okay, to they want concise. They want concise. <laughs> Ten songs. I got you, brother. <laughs> and all of them hit. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is, yeah. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, and, and now getting in, into, into OG's uh, monologues review, um, in this EP, you know, there's a statement of purpose that is just, you know, truly uncompromising in its range and composition. Um, you know, this is a deliberate case building exercise that takes from OG's prior law training and creates, you know, just a verdict of future success. But in terms of just the layers of melody and structure that, you know, match the two collaborators gracefully, um, what, what are some of, some of your thoughts on this EP and just her talent that, you know, Makes itself immediately self-evident. Whoo! And um, at first I had to get into it. I had to get into that mode because yeah. it's you know it's jazzy, it's yeah. And um, I thought this she's a she's a she's a great talent. She's 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 definitely a great talent. This was like once you like because when you listen to all this different music, like what we just talked about, like 
yeah. For Westside, we're covering and, so much. We're yeah, covering so, so many, many different scopes. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> so then I had to switch myself out of that and like I listened to it. Then I had to come back to it so my ears, like you know, my ears could just clear out from the hip hop and yeah. all the stuff. And then. I listened. I was like, "Yo, this I love jazz music." So it was just like, "Yeah, I like it. I like this. I think it, I thought it was solid." Um, "Follow Me" was I think one of my one of my favorites, and I probably have to say "Let Me Go." I thought that was a good intro song. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me go was fire. Let I me got, go I was got yeah. It. Um, I, I know you know. Yeah, I really like the CP. Yeah, it, like, like, and that's what that's what Tim's did last year. Tim's did drop yes. like a six song EP that we still go back to. Yes. Like that's Jordan's crazy. <laughs> to find out she she recorded it like you know just everybody else how we record. She recorded in a room like a little small room yeah. with the terrible equipment, and it like mm-hmm. I think it went platinum now. Like both her EPs, and then you listen to it and you're like, you you, you did that in your room. <laughs> yes, bro, that's crazy. Yeah. But I'm hoping she Absolutely. blows up like a. Uh, like Tim's half. I'm just waiting That's for a what full I want. album from her. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think OG has the the, the potential to, to to blow up to, to, to that same degree one day? It's a it's a bit different though, because you know Tim's yeah. adheres to the the dancehall reggae. Tim's is global now. Yeah, and then OG is more jazzy type vibes, and I think that's a whole yeah. different demographic. So it's gonna take more time for her to like hit it. Cause she hasn't had like a feature from like Drake or you know Wizkid who was mm, big like yeah. you know international, but I think her time is coming because that jazzy side like she gets that dope. feature from Drake if she gets that feature. Oh from Drake, yeah, she's in there. <laughs> she's that, oh yeah, you're in. <laughs> she's in there. She's in there like swimwear. <laughs> oh my god, Devon still got the bars. So <laughs> I'm rusty, but I'm getting out of it. <laughs> Um, but but now getting to our, to our last um, review with, with Rory's um, I Want You But You'll Never Know featuring um, Shelly FK Drama and Alex Isley. Mm-hmm. Um, in this most st- thrilling tr- track from the podcast for Rory, it is about you know wanting something you can't have. Um, Rory also co-wrote it with Shelly and co-produced it with XS, ETR, and Nazad and Nasify. And you know, this is the first single off of his uh, forthcoming album that will be released on uh, Avant Garden. But what are your thoughts on the single and the overall feel of it? Because this is just a, a really smooth track, one that you can go back to and play a lot and just has that that authentic R&B feel to it. Yo, you know what, man? Drum, formerly known. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was mad. Let me get back. I was mad when he disappeared. Because that album, he dropped, bef- like, and I was playing it for, like, forever. It was... Uh, Big baby drawn with the dog in the picture. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, I used to play that album out. Oh, I had to tell myself that go to get it, my shit. Bro, I used to play that album out, boy. That was on repeat. That was on repeat. Man, oh, but goodness. he he came back. He dropped another album. It was it was okay, but you have made me a well. Let me give you your flowers. You have made me a fan of Alex. Easton. Let's go. Let's go. I listen to her music all the time now. <laughs> It'd be fire, bro. Like, I was like, why do you hey like guys, her? Listen to this. Listen to this. In March, somebody, one of your friends cannot like the music that you like, but come July, oh my goodness, it changes. <laughs> Give it a few months. 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 <laughs> I gotta change her heart. Like, her music, like, yeah. But get into the song, yeah, fire, bro. Like, great collab, bro. 
it's a, it was just like an excellent collab. It was shout out yeah. to Roy. Shout out to Roy for putting this putting this together. Yeah, that was, that was dope. And her, yeah, man, Alex just gets on any song and just kills it. I'm a I'm a fan now, and I you know I'm a fan of. Shelly. And this was a Tuesday drop. This was a Tuesday drop too, which I really is crazy. Like when, 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 I like that. I, I kind of like when, when when artists bring that back. Yeah, that's that's really dope. Like drop it on a Tuesday. Then you got the whole week to listen to it. Because you yeah, drop it on a week. Friday, you just listen to it on the weekend. But I kind of Yeah, it just gets jumbled up. Yeah. Gets jumbled up with all the other new music. Exactly. Yeah. And it gives a different feel to it because you're listening to it more. And even like, oh, what was that song I just listened to? And you go back to your Westcom, you listen to it. Like, yeah, Tuesday drops, yeah. Monday drops. I think artists should start Bring bringing, back. yeah, bringing that back. And it's a different feel. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our Stranger Things Season 4 Volume 2 review. Welcome back to the show. Now we're getting into our Stranger Things Season 4 Volume 2 review. And, and to start with just, you know, some of your initial thoughts on the last two episodes of the season, you know, Volume 2 picks up moments after the major reveal that um, Beckham and Henry Krill and, and one are the same. Uh, Nancy is, is being held hostage in the Upside Down. And, you know, the reporter trapped in a nightmare of traumatic memories. The others, you know, are just are trying desperately to f- free her. And, you know, a- as we see the final two episodes progress, you know, the the Duffer Brothers just elegantly weave these plots together. And soon enough, you know, everyone is heading in the same direction. but what were some of your thoughts on the last two episodes and just how this season, how they closed out this season? Ooh, the people that I wanted to die didn't die. Yeah. But the people <laughs> that needed to die died. No, actually, one person I wanted to die died. <laughs> the uh, the guy who had the perfect speeches that got everybody pumped for no reason. Oh, like, my goodness. Bro, yeah, when he got <laughs> split, well, it did I literally got hyped. I was like, yeah, that was you get, sucker. That was you get, sucker. You beat it up my whole boy here. <laughs> but oh uh, goodness, this that's how you with your end. fake speeches with your fake <laughs> with elegance. Your fake speeches. That's not what she wanted. She just wanted drugs. She didn't want you. <laughs> Deal with it, brother. But no, oh. uh <laughs> But no, that's how you end it. That's how you end a series, bro. That's how you split them up mm-hmm. in a series. I thought both episodes was really dope. It answered a lot of questions. Now I now we know what who who was connected to Will and why he was connected to Will because they literally the same right. kid. So now it's just it's just the writing is getting better and better. Like season five is going to be awesome, even though we got to wait until Jesus come back to get it. Two thousand twenty four. <laughs> like what? Two years, oh, bro. That's so long. Oh, Come that's, on, that's, man. That's, that's such a long time. Yeah, but no, that was yeah. That's how you end a series. Not a series, but how in the um season. Yeah, season. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, like when you look at it, because they really had like this this set formula, the set strategy of, of of you know having um the 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 first set of episodes on you know uh in one month and then bringing back the last few episodes, like do you, like in terms of like splitting it up and knowing that there's so much hype around this show and, and around this new season, like, do you feel as though they, they knew like, okay, like to, to really build up the hype and, you know, m- you know, um, just capitalize on all of this uh, excitement for it. We really had to split it up to like divvy it up and like let people take in the first half and then, you know, come back a few weeks for the second half. It's, it's a bit of both. Cause at yeah. first they didn't know they was going to do a season five. That's what a lot of articles said right. that season four was going to be the end but I think they probably went back and couture some stuff so it can seems like it's going to be a season five. But that's how you do mm-hmm. promotion, too, because when the second last two episodes, they said Netflix crashed in some of the countries because everybody oh, yeah. was trying yeah. to watch it. That's marketing one-on-one. 
And if you knew your first like first six or seven episodes are fire and the last two are even more fire, why not split them up? Why not split them up in like a month's time and people are like waiting for it and then you get more viewership. Then you can take that to the Netflix office. Like people still want this. Let us do season five. And they got their mm-hmm. approval. So I thought it was, it was, it's perfect marketing, but also it's a lot of, uh, you know, not foreshadow, but it's a builds up suspense to what, what's going to happen. Who's going to die. Cause they confirmed five people is going to die. But I only counted like three or four Wellington, so they lied. Because <laughs> Papa, um, well, Westcom died. I think she's dead. I think uh, Max is dead because she... I think so, too. Yeah, Westcom yeah. went into the thing and she didn't see her. So maybe they'll tire in that, but yeah. But nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and now kind of getting into just favorite um, uh, character overall in this season. Um, I, In terms of like what the last two episodes showed me, like like... I really like what they did with Hopper because, you know, his evolution in this season is remarkable. And he was, you know, close to facing death many times yes. in the season and, and just always succeeded thinking of, you know, the possibility of reuniting with Hawkins team and making sure um, they keep safe. But but to you, like, looking back at this season, who kind of who is your overall favorite character and just kind of like how they particularly developed? Ooh, that is a tough one, man. Um, I'm going to ooh, I'm gonna have to say Will. Mm. I'm going to have to say Will, like, it's a lot of because Noah Snap or how you ever pronounce his last name just gave everybody that um, Will is was you know he was he loves Mike like in a more intimate way, but before that I thought it was so many conspiracies around why Will's character was like this. Be and mine was they forgot his birthday, right? Mm-hmm. And then he felt he never like felt like he was truly connected with them like how. He fit like you know it was never like it was always one sided, like from since he came back he always felt different and it just progressively, you know went through trying to wrap his character into like a cocoon so he can grow a little more, and just to, right. he still doesn't feel like he's normal and he doesn't feel like I just know they're going he has powers Wellington this how they this is why he's my favorite character because I think season five. We're going to show why he was truly connected with Vecna. It has to be. And has, I, yeah, it really has to I'm be. I'm looking for the potential. That. I'm lo- that's why I think he's, he's there. Because as soon as he, he keeps feeling them, he keeps feeling the connection. So he got to have powers. He was similar to him as a kid. He was different, blah, blah, blah. Like, he, I'm waiting for the Duffer Brothers to be like, you know what? He's the true 12. He's 12. Will is 12. Yep. He's gonna kill Vecna for yeah. us. So I think his 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 character has so much potential and has so like bounds to improve and to write him in different ways. So I'm so eager for season five to see what they do with the Will character. Absolutely, and, and I mean like like with this season, it, with the conclusion of this season, like do you have like a, a particular like like ranking for like where this fits in some like some of your favorite seasons overall, like like, like in the show? Because I mean. The, the the first season was a major, like like that's the one that that most people will mention as as their top one. But like like where would you kind of like rank this in terms of like some of your favorite seasons overall on the show? Uh, it goes for me. It goes season one, season four, season yeah. three, season two. Season two was more of more of a Man, character I was development. Not into season two, at yeah, all. <laughs> it was more for a character development and to introduce the new characters. The introduce, yeah, right. So. I thought that was more so doing a background, but season three got back into the nitty gritty. We get, we see the mind flare. 
Elle loses her powers. And in season four, we get right back into it. More character development, but it was more so, it was better writing as well. So yeah, season four is definitely one of my favorites. Season one has to be number one, obviously, for multiple reasons. But yeah, season four is number two. Gotta be. Definitely. Um, and now getting to kind of like the most memorable scenes of the last two episodes, I had uh, Max's speech about Billy, um, Eleven rescuing Max, uh, Mike telling uh, Eleven to fight, and then uh, also Eleven leave, leaving the door open. And then finally, Hawkins being, you know, forever changes all the character, re- realize that the particles in the air from the upside down are, are appearing in, in Hawkins. Mm-hmm. But uh, to you, like, what were some of the memorable scenes you had of these last few episodes or, or maybe like one that, that kind of stood out to you the most? Eddie. Eddie stopping. Mm-hmm. I know, it, to me, it was dumb, but... He just, you know, he stopped. And he was like, "I'm not gonna run." That 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 scene when he was talking to, jeez, um, come on, Savon, you know this show. Uh, what's the kid's name? What's his name? Uh, you mean Dustin? Dustin, thank you. I know his yeah. real name, but I wanted like, yeah. So oh, yeah. <laughs> that scene where Dustin was trying to hobble to him, and then that just that scene, and then the scene that Dustin was talking to uh, Eddie's uncle. That was a, a a dope scene, more heartstring. Um, the scene where um, I was going to say his real name, Caleb uh, Lucas, held Max, mm-hmm. and then he oh, they yeah. said he yeah. uh, did a Westcom line saying, uh, "Erica, help!" Like that whole scene showed me he got some range. Caleb got some range to him. Does he, he got he some does. range? And I thought that was a like I'm not ready to die. I'm not ready. That was a, like an incredible scene. Incredible scene. I'm yep. not ready to die. I'm not ready to die yet. Like, and then obviously the um, heavy, heavy scene. Heavy yeah, scene. yeah, very heavy. And then obviously when um, Eleven finally finds Max and Vecna, and yeah, mm. and she was like, "Oh, that's the memorable quote." So I'm, I'm gonna say that for memorable quote. But that scene was dope too. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and now kind of getting into most memorable quotes, I had you know that's what holds this party together. Heart from Will. Um, mm-hmm. Are you real? Did I make you from Eleven? Also, yes. you were different like me, and he hurt you. He made you into this. He's the monster, Henry, not you from Eleven. Um, I'm actually going to graduate. I think it's my year, Henderson. I think it's finally my year from Eddie. And then yep. finally, I wish um, everyone had gotten to know him, really know him, because they would have loved him. Yeah, um, Mr. Munson from Dustin. Uh, to, to, to you, like, looking back at, at these quotes, like, like what were some of the, the standouts overall to you? Those, for sure. You always get the best quotes. And I'm just going to add, too. Like, when it, when she did finally get to Vecna or whatever, and he was like, it's you. And she was like, hello. And then she threw him. That was... <laughs> she's been saying hello this entire season when she saw yeah. Hopper. Yeah. And he was like, hello. And she was like, I left the door halfway open. Like, it's just those little... Obviously, you got the best ones. But then... um, Who, who has another one? Um... Uh, that's pretty much it. You already covered uh, those two. Was are the my my uh following ones, but you always pick the great the the good quotes. And and, and kind of like now getting into like what did you like the most about this storyline to to you in particular uh, um for this for these last two episodes and kind of like what they were in, in, encapsulating into it. Obviously, like like there's a lot of um there were a lot of changes a a a, a, a lot of um um just potential question marks for the next season, but kind of like, what were your, your thoughts on just the particular element of the storyline that you kind of liked the most? Ooh. <sighs> mm, that's, that's a good question. And I knew it was coming and I was trying to figure out. Because I, I mean, when you look at it, like the, we kind of answered it already for the, for the yeah. first half of the season, but the second, you know, the, the second half was just meant to kind of like close things out. So, I mean, it, it can kind of be maybe a continuation of what you thought for, for the first half of the season. Redemption. 
I like the redemption. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because just just with Eddie, Eddie, Eddie was one, and then Mike and L. And then we we finally saw what Will was talking about, but he's the heart, and he gave her energy to fight. It was just like those redemption moments, and that was the first time her losing really. And then she, you know, what I mean, it was. I feel like that was that was a that was a good storyline for the last two episodes. It's all about redemption. With um, even with um, Nancy and Jonathan when they finally got back together, they said, "Are we good?" Like, yeah, we're good. And but he still hasn't told her that he doesn't want to go to the college or he didn't even apply for the college. So I think the last two episodes were really about redemption because Steven get his redemption. He almost got it. He almost yeah. almost got Nancy, but Jonathan is still is still there. So it's, I think, you know, that's a good storyline. I think the redemption sure. part. And, and, yeah, definitely. And, and I mean, there was also the um the interview that 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 Matt Duff recently did where he talked about the show like season five exclusively being in Hawkins and he said you know quote that's what we anticipate and hope to do which is to just to keep it contained in Hawkins it's going to feel a lot larger in scale than season one we wanted to go back to a lot of things we did in season one a lot of the original groupings and pairings that we had in season one end quote like to you like him taking it back to, to, you know for them taking it back to that like exclusive you know central location in Hawkins where it all began like do you feel as though it kind of makes sense and it's more fitting like as it's it's last season and they're, they're trying to, you know, put the final, the finishing touches to it. Oh, for sure. Like start with yeah. it, end with it. And, but I think they're going to like uncover so many other layers that they just hidden through the first four seasons because we, we didn't know who Vecna was and what he was even from Hawkins and how, what he started in the Westcom, the secret Super, super Westcom, what they were doing with Eleven and all the other kids were in Hawking. So it's just like they're going to uncover so many other layers. So it's, it's fitting that it's back in Hawkins and that the 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 team, the gang is all together and they're going to have to defend Hawkins one last time, one last hurrah. But I know a lot of people are going to die in season five for sure. It has to be. Oh. You can't, yeah, you can't go without collateral damage. Now, the question is, who's the, who do they kill off or who do they... But they did say there's no new characters, which is perfect. So now I like everybody's that. solidified. I really do like yes. that. Like, you got who you got and just close it out. There's no need perfect. to add yeah. anybody else because you did that, no, what, yeah, no season need. two? You did a season three and season four. But, and like you said, season two was for bringing in more development, yes. more development for newer characters. This one, every, everything's set now. Yeah, everything is like wrapping back around and you're like... Cool, like bringing everything together, the timelines and whatever. So it's, it's you don't need to bring anybody else in. Now you just gotta finish the story that you started back in 2016. Oh my gosh, <laughs> bro, that's a long time, bro. Well, it's only five years, but in terms of before we close out, like in terms of last seasons, like do you like like when when a last season is approaching, like are you? Are, like, 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 what's your expectation level for it? And especially season five, like, do you feel as though it's one of those things where you feel like you're optimistic about how they can close it out? Or do, or sometimes are you a little skeptical about, like, are they going to close this out the right way? Yeah. And are there going to be some parts that are just, you know, unfilled? For sure. Like, when it's only five seasons, so normally a show, if there is if it's really good, it's going to get at least eight or nine seasons. And this in this aspect, right. the kids are growing older. You don't want to prolong this. Let's end it now on a good note. People are hype about it. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to end 
a series, you got to do it in the right way. It can't be over cheesy. It can't be underselling. It cannot answer all the right. questions. You want to, you want to, you want to leave some questions unanswered just for the, like the unknown, just like the what if. So conspiracy, <laughs> conspiracy theories can come out. But I think the Duffer brothers are more than capable of ending it because their, their writing is, is, is crazy. Oh yeah, it's insane. Yeah. Clued everything in and bring everything back in and back around. And, oh, that's why they did this. Oh, that's why, you know, so I think the Duffer brothers are more than capable, but I just feel like I'm interested how they're going to do it. Like knowing they're great writers, knowing they they listen to the viewership, how are you gonna do it? Like that's the that's the thing that's keeping me pumped. Like, yo, how where do you go from here? Everybody's standing in the field and you see Hawkins just freaking burning. Like, and we know yeah. Vecna is a lot because Will's still connected. So um, they'll know when Vecna is truly dead when Will say he's truly dead. So, and then Will say he <laughs> wants to kill him too. So, like, come on, bro. We'll got to have powers. Man. Yeah, he's got to. He's got to. Well, that wraps it up for today. I'm Hills Winter Burns, like my counterpart, Savon Morse. This has been Full Scope. See you later.